1 Samuel chapter number 16. This is the account of God choosing David to be his king, the next king. David's out minding his business, watching the sheep, keeping the sheep, and God calls him and anoints him and uses Samuel to anoint him to be the next king of Israel. When I was uh, just a young teenager here at Charlie Baptist Church, someone handed me a song. They said, you need to sing this. They handed me a, a, a soundtrack. It was the song Shepherd Boy. And it was about the story, and I loved singing that song. And I got to sing it quite a lot. And I remember when God began to stir in my heart about being a preacher, I surrendered the call to preach, and I announced the call to preach at camp. And I was actually helping Paul Grinstead in a kid's dorm at camp in Beattyville, Kentucky. And it was devotion time, and I'd announced my call to preach. And Paul said, well, why don't you just uh, give the devotion to the kids tonight? And I was scared to death, and really this was my first ever sermon. And I didn't even know where in the Bible the story of David being chosen was, but I knew the song, so I just preached the song to all those kids. But uh, Paul heard my very first sermon, and a bunch of kids, and I'm sure they've never, or they've never remembered it. <laughs> but uh, I love the story uh, because it gives hope to anybody. Uh, God wants to use you. Uh, don't let the devil tell you a lie that for some reason you can't be used for God and his glory because God chooses shepherd boys. And tonight's message is titled this, God Uses and Chooses Shepherd Boys. And uh, I think you'll see what I mean as we read this passage together, beginning in 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Bible says, And the Lord said, in verse 1, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel, fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? He said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah, to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord hath not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he cometh hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, 
for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Wherefore Saul sent messengers unto Jesse, and said, Send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. And Jesse took an ass laden with bread, and a bottle of wine, and a kid, and sent them by David his son unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly. And he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David, I pray thee, stand before me, for he hath found favor in my sight. And it came to pass, when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took an harp and played with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. And we see David, we see God choosing David to be the king of Israel, the next king of Israel. And we see God orchestrating through circumstances unknown or out of David's control to get David to the house of the king and become acquainted with the throne and with Saul and the nation of Israel. It's a wonderful story and some things I think will be a help to us. Today's message is God chooses and uses shepherd boys. God chooses and uses shepherd boys. Let's look at the introduction here, verse number 1. The Bible says, The Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Do you remember Samuel so upset and, and bothered by the fact that Saul had wasted his life and his existence and his opportunity? He was mourning in his heart. Saul had, uh, God had told and said that Saul would not continue to be the king, would not have his blessing, and Samuel's mourning. And God says to Samuel, uh, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning? He says to Samuel, he says, Fill thine horn with oil, and go, I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. He says, Get up, it's time to go, it's time to move on. It's time to stop mourning over Saul and press forward. I wonder in our lives, are there things we just let linger and last that God would expect us to move on from? To get over. I told my mother-in-law one time, get over it. I regret that. <laughs> but there are no doubt times in our Christian lives that God tells us, get over it. I mean, who is it that you failed to forgive that God is just saying, get over it? Who is it that you need to seek forgiveness from that God has said, get over it. Swallow your pride. Get it right. Fix it. Move on. Here Samuel is the priest of God and a great man. And God says, hey, listen, wake up. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. 
It's time to let bygones be bygones. Just get over it. Samuel obeys the Lord. He takes his horn of oil and he makes the journey to Bethlehem. The Bible says, verse number 2, Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. You know, we make excuses why we can't go on. But God has a plan. You can trust God's plan. Just obey him. Verse number 3. Samuel continues, I mean, God tells Samuel what he's going to do. Call Jesse to the sacrifice. I'll show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. I like something about verse number three. Do you know that God never sends us on journeys with all the instructions? For some people, that's harder than for others. I'm the kind of guy that it's okay with me not to know what the next step is. I'm fine with that. As a matter of fact, most of the things I attempt, I have no idea how it's going to happen, how it's going to get accomplished, but I just have to trust that it will. I'm okay with that, but some people aren't like me. Some people, if they don't know the whole itinerary, they are a disaster. Now, Samuel is having to learn something about the faith life. Now, I have you understand something. This is not a personality issue. The faith life is something that we all need to embrace. You cannot possibly know everything that will transpire in the course of your life. And you'll find out that your plans are at best in error. Do you know what makes God laugh? Our plans. <laughs> Can you imagine? You set out this course of events for your life and God looks at that knowing the beginning from the end. It's got to be comical. But God says something the same. Samuel? If you're going to move on, if you're going to move forward, if you're going to continue to be used for me and for my glory, you're going to have to step out on faith and trust that I'm going to show you what you need to do when you need to do it. Let me tell you something. If you'll step out on faith, obey the Lord, move in the right direction, pleasing the Lord with your life, He will show you every step of the way. He's not going to tell you in advance because you can't possibly handle it or understand it. But he will guide you every step of the way. And so God tells Jesse, tells Samuel, I'm going to show you what you need to do when it's time for you to do it. Verse 4, and Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. Now, I want you to pay attention to that. Where did Samuel go to find the next king of Israel? Bethlehem. I don't know about you, but that's kind of exciting to me. He says in verse number 1, God says, I have provided me a king. Where? In the house of Jesse, a Bethlehemite. I've provided me a king in Bethlehem. Samuel anoints the king, the next king of Israel in Bethlehem. And it's just a precursor of what God's going to do in giving us the king of kings and lord of lords when our king Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Isn't that wonderful? God's at work. God knows. And in Bethlehem they go. He says, and so he goes to Bethlehem. The people are concerned. Do you come peaceably? Yes, I come peaceably. He says, sanctify yourselves. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. This is the beginning of this message. God uses shepherd boys. Let's consider number one, what God is looking for. What is God looking for? In a king. What is God looking for in a servant? We come to this passage of scripture. Samuel's made his way to Bethlehem. He's called a feast. And they're going to have a sacrifice. And he's called Jesse and his sons together. What is God looking for in 
a king. What is God looking for? Now we see here in verse 6, he came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab. Now Eliab was the oldest. He was the oldest of the sons. Now it's just a natural thing. It was very, very uh, cultural for the oldest son to get the privilege in the homes of the Jews. So Eliab was the oldest, the most natural character, most natural person to be the next king. If they were picked from the house of Jesse, he would be the oldest son. So Eliab, Eliab, and said, and here's what Samuel says. He says, surely the Lord's anointed before him. He says, surely this is him. He's the oldest. He was most likely the strongest. That's what the song says. Eliab, verse number 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Look not on his countenance. We would have picked Eliab. But God said, hey, whoa, don't look on his countenance. What's his countenance? That was his face. I want you to know something. Natural charm and looks are not God's criteria for being a great servant or king. And all God's people breathe the sigh of relief. Hallelujah. If you're ugly, and some of you kids are so ugly. I'm just kidding. The the truth of the matter is, God wasn't looking on his countenance. Sometimes we put so much stock in natural charm and ability that we fail to see what God can do in spite of that. It's wonderful. God wasn't looking for charm and looks. He says, don't look on his countenance or on the height of his stature. God's not looking for height. Aren't you glad? All the sturgeons in the room stand up. Oh, well, you already are standing up. I see that. How many times have you heard a short sturgeon joke or a McClure joke? or a They're all short. And I'm all the above. I'm like the tallest sturgeon that's ever lived. Height. He says, don't look on his height. Pastor Sexton he always said, and I can identify with this exactly. Pastor Sexton always said he had two goals physically. When he was a kid, he had two goals physically. He wanted to be at least six foot tall and weigh at least 200 pounds. And he always says, I've reached at least one of my goals. <laughs> Me too. Amen. I'm there. Height. God says, and it's fun to think about, but God says, Don't look on his countenance, his looks. Don't look on his height. I don't think the Bible says anywhere about weight, but I'm just... Don't look on his height of his stature. He says, I have refused him. God says, whoa, I know you've picked a lie in your heart, but I have refused him because that's not the criterion which I'm looking for. He says, The Lord seeth not as man seeth. Man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Now look, there's nothing wrong with spending some time on the outside. I think it's good to try to be healthy and to be clean and presentable. You've heard it forever. Cleanliness is next to God. That's good. It's okay. It's fine. But let me tell you something. You can put all the paint you want to on the barn. If you neglect your heart, you cannot please God. You see, God loves to work in our lives from the inside out. That's why it's important to me that we emphasize in the lives of our young people 
their hearts. If we can get their hearts in tune with God, the exterior will take care of itself. If we can get our hearts in tune with God, the things on the outside, Jesus will shine forth. And God is most interested in your heart. Oh, do not build yourself physically to the neglect of your spiritual heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And God was looking beyond the outside of Eliab and said, Eliab's outside looks like a king. But I'm telling you something, that's not the criterion which is important. What's God looking for? Not countenance, not height. Not outward, but inward. It's not your height, it's your heart that matters to God. God wanted to use David. Why? Because he was a man after his own heart. The Bible says in verse number 8, Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass. Well, maybe it's the next to oldest. Abinadab, come here. Not him. Verse number 9, Jesse made Shammah to pass by. Maybe it's number 3. No, not him. Verse number 10, again, Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord's not chosen these. And that was all that was present. Because somebody had to be watching the sheep. The Bible says, verse 11, Samuel said unto Jesse, Here are all thy children. And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. They sent after David. I Can you imagine the older brothers rolling their eyes? Why are we standing? It's just David. It's just the baby. Standing, standing, standing. And finally, David walks into the room. The Bible says about David, verse 12, And he sent and brought him in. Now, he was ruddy. Now, I, when I hear the word ruddy, I want to think about like a chisel jaw or something. Because it, like it, I want to think it's like a rut. But ruddy is actually a color. He was red-faced. He'd been out in the sun. He was sun-kissed from being a shepherd. He was dark-skinned. He was red. He was ruddy. And with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to, and the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. What's God looking for? Let me tell you something. If your heart's in tune with him, he's looking for you. If your heart, if you're willing to say yes to him and surrender your will to him, if you're willing to be used for God and his glory, he's saying yes to you. He says, I want you. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God wants to use you. God wants to bless you. You say, I don't look like the servant of the Lord. You don't have to. God looks on your heart. What is God looking for? It's not something outside, it's something inside. And it's something that all of God's children have the opportunity to possess. You see, God uses and chooses shepherd boys. They'd expected the, high, the tallest, the strongest. But on that day, David was chosen. Because God looks on the heart. That's what God's looking for. God wants to use you. God has chosen you to be his servant, to be his king in his work. That's what he's looking for. Number two, well, one, what God is looking for. Number two, how David prepared himself. Now, 
I want you to see something that's pretty fascinating to me. Because in verse number 14, we immediately roll and change scenes and we're in the palace of King Saul. Samuel's left, David's been chosen. And now we're in the palace of King Saul and King Saul's got some real trouble. He's got an evil spirit about him. He's got some real trouble. And the Bible says in verse 14, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said to him, Behold now, an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp, and it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and that thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Now here's the problem. Saul has an evil spirit. God has allowed this evil spirit to be on Saul because God is orchestrating and putting the pieces together for David to get to the palace. Now, something interesting about David that I think we should note very carefully, how David prepared himself. Now, this is an interesting thing. So the first thing they say, we need a man, a cunning player on a harp in verse 16. And then Saul says, I agree in verse 17. He said, provide me now a man that can play well. And then in verse number 18, then answered one of his servants. One of the servants of Saul speaks up and he says, Hey, I know about a guy that may be able to fit the bill. The Bible says in verse 18, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. Now this random servant in the house of Saul, he says, Aha, you need a man that can play well. You need a man that can, is a cunning player on the harp. He says, I know a guy. You know what I think is wonderful about David? David had developed a reputation with the people around him that was good. Now, I want you to know something. God orchestrates in our affairs and God chooses us and God wants to use us. But there are certain things that we can do in order to prepare ourselves for the service of the Lord. The first thing we see is we can protect our testimony and reputation among people. I want to encourage you to do something. I want you to take good stock of your Christian testimony among your peers. I'm thinking about our young people because David was a young man when all this was going on. But we shouldn't exclude everyone else. I want you to think for just a minute about your reputation among your peers. If a need arose that a Christian was needed, a servant of the Lord was needed, would you come to mind? If you needed somebody that was trustworthy and honorable, if you needed somebody who had studied God's word and would know what to do, if you needed somebody that could be confided in because you know that they would had integrity, if your community needed somebody that could be trusted, do you have that kind of reputation? Are you that kind of Christian? You see, David had prepared himself by protecting his reputation. He had a reputation with somebody at random in the king's house that he was able to do what needed to be done in order to meet the need of the hour. I think that's good. I think it's important that we guard our Christian testimony and our character. 
You see, the most important thing is not what people think of us. But I'll tell you something, it is still important. It's important what people know of you and think of you because it represents your Savior. And if you have a testimony for being a cheapskate, or you have a testimony of being a gossip, or you have a testimony of being dishonest, you have a testimony of having poor business practices in your community, if you have a testimony that doesn't please the Lord, You have a testimony of being a cheater. You have a testimony, you fill in the blank. You have prevented yourself from being the kind of person that God can use. Your testimony in school, your testimony at work, and your most important testimony is your testimony among the people in the house in which you live. Something awesome about David was David, because of his testimony, because of the work he'd been doing in his life, had a testimony that pleased the Lord, and as a testimony that had gotten notice from somebody that put him in the right place. The next step. I think about David's testimony. I think about the fact that this man spoke up and said, I know a guy that can meet this need. And I think, Lord, please help me to be the kind of guy that has a reputation Folks can trust him, can trust his relationship with Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you'll raise up folks like that in our church, in our community. Young people in our youth group that have a reputation that says they can be trusted, they love the Lord, they have character. He had a great reputation, he had a good reputation. Not only did he have a good reputation, but he was known by a few things. There's something that comes up almost every time we hear of David. When David was needed to be anointed for the next king, where was he? When everybody was going past Samuel, needed, they needed David because he was going to be anointed the next king. Where was David? He was keeping the what? Sheep. That's right. He was keeping the sheep. Where was David when this guy says in verse 18... We need to call for David because he can play cunningly on the harp. He's the man for the job. Where was he? I'll tell you. In verse 19, wherefore Saul sent messages unto Jesse and said, Send me David thy son which is with the sheep. Where was David? He was with the sheep. Now, we're going to turn the page in our Bibles in our next message, Lord willing. And there's this mean dog face of a Philistine. He is a giant. Goliath's his name. Somebody is going to have to defeat Goliath. David's the man for the job. Nobody knows it. But when Goliath is taunting the armies of Israel and cursing the name of God, where's David keeping the... (laughs) He's keeping the sheep. He's keeping the sheep. I think that's interesting. I think it's no coincidence. Something I love about David and something I think that all of us need to take to heart, especially our young people, is that David was the kind of young man who was determined to do something productive with his life. He had a reputation. It was a good reputation, and that's important. But he was also a productive young man. He said, you know what? 
My dad has a herd of sheep. My dad has a flock. My dad has something that's worth doing. And part of my job is to help keep the sheep. And every time we're looking for David, guess where we find him? Keeping the sheep. We find David always doing something that was profitable for his family. Engaged in something that was responsible. Engaged in something that was right. I think there's something to be said of that. I think we should play and have fun as young people. But I don't think we should play and have fun exclusively. I think we should be determined to do something that's profitable and beneficial and help our families and help our parents and learn a task that could potentially pay the bills. It's the right thing. He's always keeping sheep. He's always keeping sheep. I like that about David. He was a young man who was willing to be responsible. There's a verse in the Bible, Lamentations 3, 17. The Bible says, it is good that a man bear the yoke in his youth. And David's the kind of guy who understood that he was not going to waste his youth away with frivolous activities, but he was going to make himself useful and profitable. And that's good. It's wonderful. It's how David prepared himself. He had a good reputation. He kept the sheep. He committed himself to something that mattered and something that would last. Something that David did that I think is pretty interesting is David learned how to play a harp. He was a cunning player harp. A man that could play well. I think it's interesting to know that David had conquered that skill. I don't know about you, but I cannot play anything really. I played the tuba a little bit. The only reason I played the tuba is that I think they thought I was big enough to carry it. And I loved playing the tuba. I wasn't terrible at it, but I played the tuba. I tried to take piano lessons. It was no good for me. It was no good for me. And so I had to learn to do some things otherwise. Uh, I sang some and enjoyed doing that. But I want to commit my way as a young person to doing some things that mattered. And I like to fix stuff. I like to work on stuff. I like to drive anything that has a motor. And I tried to use that, and the Lord used it in a big way in my life. I'm thankful for it. But I say that to say this. It's important that all of you young people, you find something that you can commit your way to and learn how to do it and learn how to do it well. Whatever it may be, do it well. It's important for adults to continue to grow in the Lord, develop habits and skills that are a blessing and helpful to other people. And God used them in a special way. David worked hard and became good at something. Oh, I think that's so important. He became good at something. He had the initiative and the work and the drive to do things the right way. He prepared himself. I think it's so important we do. God uses shepherd boys. He's looking for shepherd boys, not with height, but heart. And God is using people who are willing to prepare themselves. David prepared himself. And finally, number three, we want to see how God orchestrated his path. In one of the Psalms, Psalm 142, David says, Thou knowest my path. David said, God, you know the path of my life. And here's a step in the path of David's life. We come to the conclusion of this passage of Scripture. The Bible says in verse 21, David came to Saul and stood before him. And he loved him greatly and he became his armor bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse saying, let David, I pray thee, stand before me. For he found favor in my sight. 
It came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul that David took a harp and played. Guess what God did? God used all of David's preparation in order to put him in the right path for his future. David stood before him. Saul loved him greatly. He became his armor bearer. All I'm saying is this. God was working and orchestrating the path of David's life. And we see God using so many things to prepare David to be the next king of Israel. How's that translate in our own lives? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. If you'll determine to have a heart that pleases the Lord, and you'll give yourself diligently to things that matter, and you'll get serious about your opportunity in life to serve God, I'll have you know something. God will put your pieces together and make a path and a plan that will please Him, will make you happy, and make a difference for eternity. Why? How? I'll just tell you, because God chooses and uses shepherd boys. If God can use David to be the king of Israel, he can use you to be anything for his glory, and he wants to. I pray we'll just have the spirit of a David and keep our hearts in check with God, because God uses and chooses shepherd boys.